Hello, and welcome to Zap the Gender Pay Gap, the podcast series where we expose the elephant in the room. The elephant's name, the gender pay gap. I am coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee, located on the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. Nestled in the southwest corner of the state, Memphis is home to the blues, barbecue, and so much more. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Thank you so very much for joining me for this episode of Zap the Gender Pay Gap. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Look for me on Apple, Spotify, Google, and YouTube, or any other platform where you find your favorite podcast. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. I'd so greatly appreciate it. Welcome to season two. Y'all, I am so very happy to be back with you. As I wrapped up season one, I reviewed a sampling of the topics I brought to you. They were all designed to tackle this elephant in the room, to find a way to put it on a diet and prevent it from siphoning off part of your paycheck every payday. You know the elephant's name, right? Yes, you got it right. It's the gender pay gap. As I embark on season two, I am even more determined to be laser focused, determined to expose this elephant in the room, to shine a spotlight on this thing that can eat away at your pay affecting your financial well-being. Heretofore, this elephant has been wearing a mask, and I will reveal what it has been trying to conceal. I am determined to disclose some previously unknown information, some pertinent facts about the impact of this elephant and how it is making an impact on your pay, because if we let it stay, it just may eat us out of house and home. And I'm also determined to dispose of this elephant as well as its effects by finding and fixing the gender pay gap for every woman who will listen and who have the courage to act. It's one way I can show you love. Speaking of love, it is February, the month of love. I stumble upon this wonderful newsletter entitled February, a month about love. And it's published by my Rancho Saharita. I grabbed a few comments that seemed to leap off the page at me. It says, February is often known for being a month dedicated to and all about love. But February is not only about Valentines and sweethearts, nor is it all about flowers and chocolate candy, I might add. Instead, it can also be a month for self-love and self-care fostering relationships with family and friends, and loving others. They emphasize these three, to love wellness, love your loved ones, and spread love to others. Another way I can show you love is by sharing some insights I have gained that gave me a greater sense of well-being in the workplace. It's the inside scoop, a few secrets that have the potential to increase your financial well-being. So what are they, you may say? My reply, I am so very glad you asked. During my days in corporate, I was unmarried. I was a one-income household, which meant all the responsibility fell on me. I was determined not to have to depend on my parents. It's one reason why I went to college, because I knew that getting my college degree could help me get a job so I could take care of myself and not have to depend on anyone else. Plus, I wanted to be able to help my parents out in the event they needed me to assist them financially. As a one-income household, 
I was employed at the paper company, which meant I had one customer. I really enjoyed working and my goal was to learn as much as possible so I could do my best to meet or exceed my employer's expectations. I found that the top three things I could do in the first quarter of the year to get my ducks in the row were to do one, compile my performance data from the prior year, two, calculate how well I did, identify what performance rating I'd give myself, which would give me a clue to the performance rating my boss would give me, and then three, to clarify goals, objectives, and expectations for the current year. Please grab a piece of paper and jot these down. Now, why do I put these three at the top of my list? This is why. One, compiling your performance data from the prior year will be the basis on which your contributions will be assessed and rewarded. In other words, your raise will be based on what you contributed in the prior performance period. Documenting your contribution in a compelling way serves as evidence. It's the best way to convince the jury that you're guilty. In this case, the jury is your boss and your boss's boss. And two, once you compile your performance data, it's now time to rate your performance. Did it meet, exceed, or did not meet expectations? The more objective data you have, which means the more data that you can measure, the better off you will be when you talk with your boss, especially if it proves beyond a reasonable doubt that you're guilty of meeting or exceeding expectations. Your rating will dictate the amount of your raise. And in this case, you want to be found guilty. Why? Because the sentence will be, you deserve a raise. In the workplace, it's a pretty good way for, for an employer to show me some love. Now, some people make the mistake of stopping there, but you want to set the stage for success for this performance year. And the way to do that is to get crystal clear on what it will take to meet or exceed expectations for this performance period. Some people shy away from talking with their boss about performance because they feel uncomfortable asking, or perhaps maybe they don't wanna hear what the boss has to say. For a variety of reasons, they may take the easier way out. But taking steps to clarify what is expected at the beginning of the year leaves no room for doubt when the next performance review time comes around. That's a good way to make sure that you're not surprised. That's the way my good friend Joanne did it. She asked her boss at the beginning of the year what it would take for her to exceed expectations. She took his words to heart and she checked in at least six times that year to make sure she was on track. When she received feedback on what she could improve, she took steps to make the necessary corrections. And guess what? When the next review time came around, she was rated, please expectations. I think that's awesome, don't you? Yes, her effort and attention paid off. Yours could too. Following three simple steps could help relieve some work-related stress. Not knowing what is expected can put undue pressure on you. Plus, dealing with the uncertainty, the not knowing of where you stand after working the entire year can be an added source of stress. But in this way, you know as you go. During my days in publicly traded companies, the calendar year and fiscal year were the same. 
Both started on January 1 and ended December 31st. Expectations were communicated in writing in January. Evaluations from the previous year were submitted no later than February. And ratings and raises were discussed one-on-one -on -one by the end of March. And my raise hit my bank account no later than the end of April. Now, for some of those who are listening, that may not be the case. The fiscal year end for your employer may be June 30th, which means the new year begins on July 1. But regardless of when the fiscal year begins at your place of employment, taking these three simple steps at the beginning of the year should be at the top of your list. Compile your results from the previous year. Calculate your rating. Did it meet, exceed, or were your contributions below expectations? and clarify expectations for this performance period. You want to be crystal clear on what is expected. I mentioned that February is known as the month of love. It's a month to celebrate our most treasured relationships. And one of those important relationships is your relationship with your employer. Show yourself some love by taking steps to relieve some of the pressure of not knowing by being proactive and minimizing the risk of being unpleasantly surprised at performance review time. Now, if your boss asks you why you deserve a raise, what would you say? Do you have enough evidence to be found guilty of meeting or exceeding expectations? Before I go, this is my ask. Please make sure you can respond in a clear, concise, and compelling manner if you're asked this question why you deserve a raise. Be clear about what you would say. Now, if you need some help with this, please submit your request by contacting me at GwendolynJTucker.com. My dream is to show women in the workplace how to free themselves from the gender pay gap so that they can fund their dreams and have a greater degree of financial well-being. I still have a few one-on-one -on -one coaching slots available. So just message me back if you're interested in hearing more. Go to GwendolynJTucker.com and click on contact. I will also put a link in the show notes to this episode. So just click on the description box and just check it out on how you can reach me. Now, women, because you work hard for your money, you definitely want to take home all of it. Thank you so very much for joining me as I launch season two of my podcast. Words simply cannot express how much I truly appreciate you and your support. Please join me next time and invite a woman in your world to listen in to. I look forward to seeing you here next Wednesday at noon Central Standard Time for the next episode of Sap the Gender Pay Gap. Until then, please be well. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Zap the Gender Pay Gap. Please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow me wherever you get your favorite podcast. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.